Hello, my dear friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible, and where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Krita, the South Australian Regional Coordinator for Faith FM, and if you would like to make a comment or have your questions answered, you can text me on 0401-305-077 or email info at faithfm.com.au. You can visit our website on faithfm.com.au also, if you like. Our theme for the week is the Bible and end time events. And our big questions is the judgment of God bad news? Why are there so many churches? How can we live a life to the fullest? And what are the secrets to success? We are going to deal with some of these topics as we go uh, through the week. Um, but our co-host today is Joseph Maticic. And uh, Joseph, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Joseph, I was asking myself, how do you manage to get all these easy uh, topics, easy subjects like the judgment today yes. and last week the mark of the beast? That, that's right. I don't know. Some, somehow it, it's my lot, but uh, <laughs> by the grace of God, we will see what the Bible has to say on it. Absolutely. We are going to look into that, Joseph. Uh, Joseph is the General Secretary for the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia, and it's very good to have you with us, uh, Joseph. We're always looking forward to... Um, what you had to say to share from the gospel. And um, Joseph, if I could just ask this, uh, start with this question uh, today. Is the judgment of God good news or bad news? That's a really good question. You know, a, a judgment uh, usually generates uh, mixed emotions amongst people, Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think of, of, of judgment or going before a judge, it's not something that we naturally relish. Uh, you think these days when we, when we have, if you have to front up to court, Nick, it's a time when uh, you're, you're a bit anxious, uh, wondering how, how the, the court hearing is going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who have to front up to court, um, you read about how, the, and you know that they, they feel nervous, yes. um, uh, wondering um, concerned, yeah. Judges and, and a court setting usually has this this, this air of um, uh, a real seriousness to mm-hmm. it, and uh, where, where where things are going to be revealed, and 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 wondering, you know, if a person is going to court for something that they believe they have not done wrong, mm-hmm. then they're wondering whether they will get um, a fair judgment. Exactly yeah. right. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will, will they get a fair judgment? Um, is all the evidence going to be presented? Is there going to be a fair trial? We, we think of um, uh, some court cases down through history, some quite famous court cases of, of people that have been um, either found guilty uh, and then later th- that's been over- overturned. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the famous ones that we had a number of years ago in Australia was um, uh, the situation involving a lady called Lindy Chamberlain um, who was initially found guilty of supposedly murdering her her baby and then of course uh, it was demonstrated that she never had never done that and that was a massive court case here in Australia that a mm. lot of people followed w- w- with great interest. Um, it just goes to show to us, Nick, that th- there is a, a real intent to to see that that justice is done and followed and and the right thing a right thing happens um, in co- in, in earthly courts 
And and so it then begs the question: well, What about this in a in a heavenly sense, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a spiritual sense? What do we know about God? And uh, is, is He a judge? What kind of a judge is He? And what does the judgment mean for you and I? Yeah. Uh, what What does the judgment look like? When is the judgment? Uh, when does it take mm-hmm. place? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, how should we live as far as that is concerned? So there's some of the things we're going to explore together Absol- today. Absolutely. And as you mentioned a bit earlier, um, in our experience here on earth, when you mentioned the word judge or judgment, it's, uh, it had different connotations, you know. And the question I asked a bit earlier, is the judgment to which we are going to look from the Bible today a good news or a bad news? Because Mainly, people um, talking about judgment, they are thinking of a bad situation there. You know, you even wrongly being accused or whatever it is, but it's not, people are not going there very joyfully. No, no. But we are going to learn, uh, actually, th- during this program, that the judgment of God, actually, it's something to look forward. And um, if I could ca- ask um, a question to start with, how many people will face the judgment? Great, great question to look at right from the beginning, Nick. That's exactly right. And uh, to answer that, we, we t- turn to the uh, New Testament book of Second Corinthians chapter 5, and in verse 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Mm. That's a very important passage there that nobody escape <laughs> judgment here. That, that's exactly right, Nick. It, it, that includes everybody. And it, it says a, that we must all appear yeah. before the judgment of Christ. Which means it's important how we live our lives on earth here and now because that will determine also on which uh, side of the, the, the bar will, will, will be there. That, that's exactly right. It, it's, it's, it's unavoidable. It, this mm. is something that's inescapable. So uh, rather than trying to avoid the subject, Nick, we, let, let, let's look to understand it and uh, to study it from, from the Bible mm. together. All right, let's uh, move on then. And uh, will the judgment take place prior to the second coming of Jesus or after? So we've established, first of all, the fact of a judgment. The Bible is very clear that there is a judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will see now a number of other references to describing that. So then we're now going to be looking at... um, when when is this judgment? Uh, this is important, Nick, because a lot of people uh, there's this idea out there that the judgment is it, it's some future date. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, when we you know, front up before God, you know, we, we talk about at the last day, you know, yes. whatever that might be. Now, from that, I guess some people can can get the idea that the, the judgment is like this uh, decision event that takes place in the future. Uh, at at you know w- w- at at the Lord's return, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the Bible tells us, however, in Revelation chapter twenty-two and verse twelve, these words of Jesus. He says, "And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work." According to this passage, Nick, uh, Jesus says that he's coming. Uh, when he comes, he's bringing his reward. Now, if Jesus is bringing a reward, that would indicate that it's already been decided what the reward is mm-hmm. for each person. A reward must firstly be determined before it can be given. Does that yes, make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So this would indicate to us that the that, that a judgment 
this decision has taken place uh, before uh, the return of Jesus. This judgment is the one that determines who's going to be saved and, and who's going to be lost. In a, it's a bit like any, in any courtroom, there is going to be an, invest, an investigation of the evidence, uh, followed by a verdict or a sentence. And um, for, for the Christian, the sentence or the reward is an eternity with our friend mm. and, and, and that Jesus makes Christ. a lot of sense, um, uh, Joseph, because as, as you said, uh, we, we can have all sorts of ideas and interpretation of the scripture. But if you look in the scripture and allow the, the Bible to interpret itself, yes. we'll um, spare ourselves from many, many uh, situations. I mean, like uh, we could have a good understanding of the judgment in the context of the Bible. And uh, if I'll ask another question here, uh, how did the prophet Daniel describe the judgment? There's a, a fascinating passage there that you're referring to in Daniel, Daniel chapter 7 and verses 9 and 10. Daniel there in vision, he says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days were seated. It says the court was seated and the books, the books were opened. Mm. So Daniel there in vision sees the heavenly courtroom, the, the heavenly, and, and he sees a, a judgment seat, it, it tells us there. Uh, it says the court's seated. And the books were opened. And, 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 and the books were opened, yeah. Which uh, means that uh, this case of the judgment, it's very well documented to say so, you know. Well, that's uh, right. It's recorded. Everything is recorded in heaven. Exactly right. That, and uh, uh, if, if I can just uh, elaborate on a little bit, of, can just for a moment, Nick, there. Sure. Um, yeah, Daniel says that he um, he says he saw thrones set up. The ancient of days—that's a reference to God Himself—is mm-hmm. uh, seated um, and gives a description there. This, this that Daniel sees of the grandeur and the holiness of God, uh, and then it says before Him thousand thousands ministered unto Him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before Him. The judgment or the court was set. It says, and the books were opened. So it's it's quite a dramatic scene there, really, that that, mm. that we find uh, Daniel portraying. Uh, now, what's interesting, we're talking about here, when, when um, we asked a little bit earlier about you know, the judgment taking place before uh, the, the Jesus, return of Jesus, before yes. the return of Jesus. What, what's significant here, and, and we'll touch on this a little bit later on, but just now because we're in Daniel, mm-hmm. uh, in an earlier presentation in the, on this program, Nick, it, it would have been covered, uh, the, the prophecy of Daniel chapter 7. Correct. Uh, which is a bit of a parallel uh, a repeat and an enlargement on Daniel chapter 2 where we have those uh, had the statue in Daniel 2 with the four different metal parts mm-hmm. in Daniel 7 we have the four beasts these four beasts which represent four world empires mm-hmm. uh, and then there's the the little horn power that arises and then uh, and it, it it does various things um, persecuting God's people amongst other things seeking to change times and law these are these are things that have been mentioned uh, that, that's 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 one of the prophecies predicting the coming of the Antichrist that that's been also covered in in, in a series in, in, on this program um, and then you have this judgment scene and then comes the establishment of God's kingdom so just from that overall sequence Nick what we find is that the judgment is set there before the setup of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, the judgment occurs prior 
to the second coming yeah. of Jesus. And probably that's why the misunderstanding of the judgment is because it's people thinking that when Jesus comes is the end of the world and is the judgment day, you know. Yes. Just everything finishes off the judgment day. But actually this is very well uh, prepared before then when Jesus come will come with his reward as you just said a bit earlier and I think that's a, a good news for um, for us all now what is the purpose of the judgment well uh, that's that's a really important question to look at and uh, I, I want to answer that in a, in a couple of by uh, looking at a couple of passages the, the one passage I want to take to is is one that's found over in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. It says this. This is the great apostle Paul writing, and he says, For I think that God has set forth us apostles last, as it were, appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. Wow. Interesting passage there. This is This is one of the few references that indicates to us that our world... Uh, is actually a, like a spectacle. It, it's like a theatre. S- some other version says that we're, we're like at a theatre uh, to to the watching universe. Yes. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this this passage for us, Nick, is that um, it, it's interesting when, when when we're talking about this subject of the judgment. Uh, the question there can be raised is, well, why do we even need a judgment? I mean, and you just asked that question. Mm-hmm. You're asking that question now. We're looking at this, and what's the purpose of it? I mean. If God knows everything, if God's all-knowing, is all-powerful and, and all that, does he need to uh, – is it like he needs to work out? He's not sure who, mm-hmm. who, who, who should be saved and who should be lost. Is, is it like he doesn't know and so he, he, he needs this? Well, no, this is, this, is not what we're, this is not what it's referring to. What this verse here that we've just read here where it talks about us being like a spectacle – yeah, we're a spectacle unto the world or, 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 or to the world, so to the universe and to angels. It indicates to us uh, that in a sense what we are is uh, we're observed by, by, by other beings. Uh, and we know elsewhere from, from Scripture um, that Satan was originally Lucifer in heaven who was cast down to this earth. Um, and, you know, that there are other other beings and uh, they're actually watching this uh, great controversy. That's that, right. This battle between war. good and evil, mm-hmm. seeing how it's getting played out on planet Earth. And they're seeing how humans are responding, the sin that Satan has brought in, and to, to, to what God has done uh, through, through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, in a sense, yeah, we're, we're actually being watched to see how, how this thing is, is being played out. Now, not only how it's being played out, Nick, but what it's also getting at is this idea that the other beings, the angels and whatever, they're watching to see uh, how, how does God respond. We saw initially how, you know, when Satan, Lucifer, rebelled in heaven, he wanted to be like God. He was cast down to the earth. People, The beings wanted to see how is God going to respond? Is he going to just zap him and wipe yeah. him out there and then yeah. supposedly put an end to it? And we saw, well, no, he, he didn't do that because the beings would have served him out of fear. And so they want to see whether God, how he deals with things, whether he's just and whether he's fair. Mm. And uh, And so... This verse gives us a bit of an insight that, that part of the reason for the judgment is not that God isn't sure and then he needs to you know investigate to figure it out, but it, it actually reveals it's like God opens it up for the watching beings in the universe to see so that they can see that God is fair and just in mm. how he deals with people. Absolutely. And I love that uh, Joseph and in Daniel seven uh, eighteen 
It's a beautiful passage there, um, which says that, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. This is uh, good news for the people of God, for the saints. And uh, Jesus is coming soon, uh, Joseph. The world is going uh, towards this very clearly. Clear evidence, that's right. Absolutely. And God's heart, uh, you know, God's desire is to save humanity. You know, we are talking around here in this context of viruses and all those things. How can we save ourselves? You know, I mean, God wants this more than anybody else on this planet to to save each one of us. But the problem is not to save us just from a virus or from a calamity or not, but to save our souls, to mm. save us for eternity from this big thing called the, sin. Which is the greatest virus, so <laughs> the, to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, 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 a period of judgment alerts us to the fact that times or time is running out. Mm. Now, it is the time for complete trust yeah. and dependence on Jesus at the complexion of the judgment, uh, there will be no doubt that God is love. Mm. God is fair and God is righteous. No doubt about that at the completeness of the judgment. And the judgment is an integral step in solving the problem of sin, as uh, we mentioned a bit earlier. Yeah. Now, yeah. just, and not just for now, but forever. God will not allow to experience again in the universe whatever happened uh, with Lucifer as you just mentioned That's earlier. Right. That, but God had to allow yeah. that mm. to to come to the fullness that every being on this universe will understand. Yes. Because God is not going now to take away the freedom of choice. But no. I believe each one of us by seeing all the devastating effects of sin will not want it again to allow something like that to come uh, in our lives. That's right. It's, it's interesting, Nick, just on that, because in Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, there's a, there's a fascinating bit of scripture there which indicates that God is not just the judge, but also the one being judged, mm. Mm. Uh, which is incredible. In other words, God, in a sense, puts himself on trial, Nick. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so the whole purpose of, it, of this judgment is not where that, that's when God is trying to work out um, and determine who, who should be saved and who should be lost, but it's in sen- sense... Him making himself open to to other beings to see that he is being just and fair. Yeah, and Joseph, who are the key players in this uh, judgment? Well, th- there are yeah a number of key players. John chapter five verse twenty two, of course, tells us the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesus is is called the Judge. Then what we'll see. Is, is a few other things. Um, it, it, well, it was, we already saw back in Daniel 7 that it was a dramatic scene where Daniel sees the Ancient of Days, which is God, mm-hmm. uh, seated at, at the court. We have uh, here this reference to Jesus being being our, our judge as well. Mm-hmm. But then we also find that Satan is called the accuser in mm-hmm. Revelation 12. Uh, so he's, he's, um, he, he's like the one bringing the charges up against us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, and if in, you have an accuser there, you must have a defendant. <laughs> Absolutely. And in First John chapter 2, uh, verse 1, tells us that Jesus is our, our defender or our advocate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, he's like our defense lawyer, defense attorney. Yes. Uh, Satan is the accuser. Jesus is the defense attorney. And we also saw that Jesus is the judge, which is... How interesting is that? Yeah. You know, to have the judge and the the defender on your side. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah that, that's that's really quite unheard of. Yes. Um, 
and um, yeah, humans are the way, the ones being judged, and we see angels as as like the witnesses to 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 this that's mm. taking place. Yeah. All right, then the judgment is good news, Joseph. Yes, with with the judge as your defendant, uh, really that indicates to us the first clear evidence that the judgment I- is good news. Mm. You're right, Nick. Mm. All right. Another question, just maybe before we take a short break, Joseph, um, on what basis will we be judged? Yeah, the Bible is clear on this uh, in a number of places. First of all, let's look here at, at what it says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12 and verse 14. And it says, therefore, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Mm. In First John Chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, it tells us, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his his angels. Mm, wonderful. So God's law is the standard in the judgment. God records every thought and behavior. The whole of heaven is aware of what we do, even if our sins are done in secret. And Joseph, uh, in the judgment, Jesus promises his followers that he will not blot their name out of the book of life. On the contrary, it will uh, be recorded of their um, Sins that will be bloated out. Well, that's, that's in Acts three nineteen. Yes, and, and Nick, that on that thing, I guess this is this is where we we come down to. I guess uh, in its in its simplest form, it is this: we as humans, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned, and the wages of sin is death. Mm. Therefore, we're all guilty. Okay, we're all guilty. How then can God declare? us you know, to, 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 to be not guilty. Well, the interesting thing is, is that Jesus took our sentence. Mm. Jesus died in our place. And he is the one that takes the penalty for our sins. Mm-hmm. And so if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and as Lord of our lives, then in a sense when our name comes up in the judgment, God sees that Jesus has taken the penalty for us in our place, and therefore he can declare us to be to to be, to be not guilty, and therefore he can blot out our sins instead of our our names out, and that's that's the choice that mm. that, that we that we can have. And you know, in the Bible, Joseph, we find those passages when Jesus said, "I will separate," you know, the sheep from the goats, mm. and all those things. You know, uh, why doesn't God take everyone to heaven? God will take to heaven. Uh, those people who will enjoy yeah. being there in yeah. heaven, you know, not you. You have people here who don't want to hear about heaven, you know. Yeah. And um, obviously, that there needs to be a separation, a judgment. That's right, uh, because yeah, heaven, heaven is a place where we live with God forever, and so God, God is a God of love, and He wants people to be there who are going to love Him for eternity, yeah. and He 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 respects the choice of people who choose not to want to be with Him forever, mm. and so the judgment is to determine who is it that's chosen to to believe in Jesus, to to follow Him. They're the ones that that will be saved because yeah. they have accepted the provisions that He has made for salvation. Absolutely. Hey, well, we are 
are going to take a short break here, Joseph, um, and uh, please stay with us. You are listening on Faith FM, Drive Time, BQ&A. We'll be back uh, in a moment. Stay with us, please. See the bride and the spirit are one And won't you who are thirsty invite him to come With your door open wide Won't you listen in the dark for the midnight cry See when your light is on Let the bridegroom
You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Nick Rita and our co-host is Joseph Maticic. We are dealing today with a question, is the judgment a good news or a bad news? And we learn so far that uh, the judgment of God, it's a good news for the saints, for his people. And um, we ask questions, uh, why there is a need of a judgment and uh, how judgment uh, will proceed. Uh, but we are coming, Joseph, now to a question here. When does the judgment begin? Because it, it will be important to, uh, to have some foundation here to understand, again, to clarify some of the things, you know, in the Christendom. Yeah. Uh, how people understand this. Because we mentioned earlier, because some people may think that judgment is when Jesus comes, uh, the judgment day, uh, and we uh, put a good foundation with passages from the Bible that judgment needs to be before that Jesus will bring his reward with him That's when right. he comes. Yes. Now, yes. Let's look at uh, some passages in the Bible, Joseph. Uh, when does the judgment begin? Yeah. So, to do that, Nick, it's it's good to go into Daniel chapter seven and look at chapter seven compared with uh, chapter eight, and, and and we'll go also a little bit into chapter nine. The reason being is in Daniel chapter seven, Nick, we we have a, a great prophecy, um, a significant prophecy, and, and and hopefully some of this is um, uh, material that that our listeners can uh, review and and look through. When, when you know, if you look at Daniel chapter seven. It gives an outline of world history mm-hmm. with four beasts, and it, it, it tells us quite clearly in Daniel chapter seven that these four beasts are four kingdoms, and and, and essentially they are the four superpowers that we've had: um, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then Rome. Mm-hmm. And then it predicts the rise of a new power, uh, which uh, is this little horn that grows great, and that uh, that was fulfilled. That was a power that arose out of out of Rome. Ruled during the dark and the Middle Ages, it's none other than the uh, the papacy, the, medi- the medieval church, and then then there is that judgment scene, and we we refer to that one, Daniel seven, nine and ten, mm-hmm. the great judgment scene, and then the saints possess the kingdom. So from that outline, you've got world history revealed to us right through, and it shows us you've got the world major world empires that are outlined, and then there's that judgment scene. Before God's people getting the kingdom, mm. so you find that the 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 the, the, um, the judgment occurs before before the end. Uh, the the other uh, significant thing from Daniel chapter seven is that it as it gives us the outline of the four world empires, it then talks about the rise of not a not a fifth one as such, but the little horn power which mm-hmm. comes up out of Rome, the papacy. Yes. And it, it rules for a period of 1,260 years. It's symbolically represented by 1,260 days or time, times, and half a time. That, now, that's, uh, that equates to 1,260. And uh, that, that's another topic. But um, We dealt with that also, you know, right. in previous program. That's yes. right. Um, but essentially, it, it, it predicts that, 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 that the papacy is going to rule for, uh, for 1,260. And we find that that was fulfilled exactly from 538 mm-hmm. to 1798. Now, I say that because after that comes that judgment scene. So that gives us the first pinpoint of when the judgment is. It's going to be after 1798. Mm. Then we come to Daniel chapter 8. Now, Nick, in chapter 8, uh, we have uh, another vision. 
And in that vision, uh, there is a ram and then there is a goat and then there's a, talks about another horn power. So it's again paralleling Daniel chapter 7. However, it now starts with Medo-Persian Empire, then Greece, then Rome. Uh, and then, then it talks, uh, uh, describes there about this power. Uh, if I can just talk about this little horn power. Mm-hmm. So there's a connection. Daniel 8, little horn power. Daniel 7. It's parallel. That's parallel. I want to, I want to really make that connection with, with our listeners. The Daniel chapter 9 talks, sorry, Daniel chapter 8 talks about a, a horn. That's going to be great. That's going to magnify himself to the prince of the host and cast the sanctuary, the place of the daily sacrifice taken away and the place of the sanctuary is cast down. It says there in Daniel 8, 11. And then in Daniel 8, verse 13, it says, Then I heard one saint speaking and another saint that said unto that certain saint which spoke, How long will be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot. And he said unto me, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now, what we find here is a prophecy that predicts these empires that are come, Medo-Persia, then Greece, then Rome, in its imperial phase first, mm-hmm. but then in, in its papal phase, and then that it talks about what, what essentially the, the paper is going to do about bringing the, the place of the sanctuary uh, down and whatever. And so in vision, uh, D- D- Daniel hears this, and then the question is asked, well, how long is this power going to be doing this? And then a time period is given, under 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will, will be, be cleansed. cleansed. Very specific here, a uh, uh, time frame. That's right. 2,300 days, mm. then the sanctuary will be cleansed. So a specific time frame. Uh, the, the connection I want to see here is Daniel 7 gives us an outline of empires, a judgment, second coming. Daniel 8, empires, cleansing of the sanctuary, and then you'll see again it talks about uh, God's kingdom. Mm. So by comparison, the judgment of Daniel 7, Nick, equates to, parallels what's described as the cleansing of the sanctuary of Daniel chapter 8. There's that connection. Now, when is this time period? Daniel chapter 8 does not answer it. Uh, when we come by the end of Daniel chapter 8, uh, we read that it says that the vision of the evening and the morning, that's the one referred to in verse 14, Daniel eight fourteen. Uh, the vision of the evening and morning here in verse 26, Daniel eight twenty six. the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true, therefore shut up the vision, for it shall be for many days. In other words, it refers to the future mm. from Daniel's time. Uh, in verse 27, I, Daniel, fainted, and I was sick certain days, and afterward I rose up, and I did the king's business. I was astonished at the vision, but didn't understand it. Yes. So come to the end of chapter 8, Daniel doesn't understand what this is referring to. Chapter 9, we find Daniel praying. It's an incredible prayer recorded mm. in Daniel chapter 9, pretty much from verse 1 right through to, to verse 19. And in response to that prayer, Angel Gabriel comes to Daniel, and from verse 20 onwards, he comes to him, and he says to him in verse 22, I've now come forth to give you skill and understanding. Answer to Daniel's prayer, he's been praying. He hasn't understood the vision back in chapter 8. The angel comes and gives him an understanding, and the understanding is revealed, and he says in ver- from verse 24, Daniel 9, verse 24, he says, Seventy weeks are determined upon your people, upon thy holy city. And, and then he goes on and gives this 70-week prophecy, which predicts what's going to take place soon thereafter until the coming of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And here we're we starting to work towards a starting date. That's right, because Daniel 
8 and 9 are part of the one vision and prophecy, mm. Nick. Mm. Uh, you know, Daniel prays in chapter 9, and, and the answer that he's been giving in chapter 9 is to help us understand Daniel chapter 8. And so the point there is that angel Gabriel comes to him, that, that he had seen in the vision of chapter 8, comes here in chapter 9 uh, to help him, help him understand it. Uh, now, in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, Nick, uh, refers to uh, this prophecy that's called the 70-week prophecy. Which pinpoints determined for your people. That's right, mm. uh, and that's that's another that's a topic that was that was covered earlier. The mystery man of prophecy that that was the one that was covered covered earlier in this. And um, uh, suffice to say, at this point in time, though, um, that Daniel nine prophecy from verse twenty four twenty seven it actually gives us the starting point uh, for Daniel eight because in Daniel eight, Nick Daniel hears in the vision that two thousand three hundred days, then the sanctuary would be cleansed. Mm-hmm. But no more details are given about the starting point. In Daniel 9, the angel comes and says to him, I've come to give you understanding. And he says, know this and understand uh, that 70 weeks are determined for your people. In some version, uh, determined um, is translated as divided or literally means to be cut off. Mm -hmm. The 70 weeks is cut off from the longer time period of 2,300 days of Daniel chapter 8, verse 14. So the starting point... For the 70 weeks of Daniel chapter 9 marks the same starting point for Daniel chapter 8, verse 14. All right. Okay, that's a very good uh, and important point to make here. And and it's significant because uh, in Daniel 9, verse 25, it actually gives us a starting point for the 70 weeks. Mm-hmm. It says there in Daniel 9, 25, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem... Until the Messiah, the Prince, there'll be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So it, it, it gives us actual starting point for the 70 weeks. It, and the starting point is the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. So the, the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem is the starting point for the 70 weeks. And it's also the starting point for the 2,300. So the 70 weeks is a shorter period of the 2,300. Yes, yes. Now, what we know is when we talk about time periods in Bible prophecy, it's symbolic. In other words, we need to apply that a day in Bible prophecy, Nick, a day represents a year. Mm-hmm. So 2,300 days equates to 2,300 years. If we can work out when was the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, we got the starting point, and we can. You read in Ezra chapter 7 mm-hmm. about the decree of that king Artaxerxes the uh, the king the Persian king gave in the 7th year of his reign which was 457 BC mm-hmm. 457 BC he gave the decree allowing the Jews to restore and rebuild Jerusalem oh, that's a very very precise uh, time there and so therefore then we can pinpoint the start of the 2300 days 457 BC, we add 2,300 to that, and it brings us down to 1844. Wow. So, therefore, according to Daniel 8.14 now, when it says unto 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed, it says unto 2,300 years, until 18, in 1844, the sanctuary would be cleansed. Now, what on earth does it mean when it talks about a sanctuary? Mm. How is it cleansed? Mm-hmm. 
uh, what's that referring to? Now, at this point, Nick, it's probably good to just uh, go back in history a little bit, um, particularly in the lead-up to the 1840s. In the early 1800s, there was a great interest amongst many Christians um, in Bible prophecy. There was one gentleman in particular by the name of William Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, a Baptist farmer who, who studied the Bible extensively, and he in particular came to this passage of Scripture of Daniel 8.14. And he understood the dates here, the, the, that's right. all those uh, beginnings. and Yes, that's exactly right. right. He understood it, and he saw that, that the starting point, just what we said, that Daniel 8 is connected to Daniel 9, that, that uh, the 70 weeks of Daniel 9 and Daniel 9.25 gives us a starting point mm-hmm. for it. And he, he, he calculated also, found that the, the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem was 457. And then he connected that as being the starting point also for Daniel 8.14. Mm. And so... Unto 2,300 days, he knew that refers to 2,300 years. A day equals a year. And so he added 2,300 to 457. He got down to 1844. Mm-hmm. Then William Miller uh, looked at, okay, the Bible says, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now, this is what Miller did, though. He looked at what is the sanctuary. He concluded that the sanctuary represents our earth. Mm-hmm. And so we ask, well, how's the earth going to be cleansed? Ah, we know that the Bible talks about when Jesus comes, it's, you know, it's going to cleanse it with fire and then create a new earth. And so we thought, the, ah, this passage is actually predicting the second coming of Jesus, the return yes. of Jesus. And this was about 1818, 1820 or something when, when William Miller discovered this. And he thought, wow, in about 20 odd years, Jesus is going to come back. And he began to preach this and, and, uh, and teach and share it. Uh, and then many others, Nick, um, this was initially in the United States, but then it spread around all over the world. Pe- thousands of people began to expect and believe that Jesus was going to come back. And I was going to say that it was not only uh, Miller. No. Uh, there were many others like for example, like Joseph Wolf, like in, you know, talking about all around the Middle East, North Africa, England, India, this movement was going all spreading around. like wildfire. Yeah, yes. wildfire. Yes. And even um, the Catholic uh, priests, you know, there is Emmanuel Lacunza, uh, he also talked about the coming of the Messiah. Yeah. Interesting here, you know, the, not only the Protestant uh, uh, world, uh, another name like uh, Edward um, Irving, in Britain, mm. Thomas Playford, yes. where do you reckon was he? Yeah, Playford. He, he was in Adelaide, yes. right here where we broadcast from. And all these people, they were really in fire just for that um, understanding. That's right. But let's see a little bit what was going wrong here, okay. Joseph. So the main thing is their understanding that the sanctuary represented the earth, Nick. What uh, they didn't see at that point in time in, in their study uh, uh, is that uh, the Bible does talk about a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, the Bible uh, tells us clearly, you know, we, we read uh, in Exodus 25, verse 8, God said to, to his people through, through Moses, he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Mm-hmm. And so they created this, that, that they, they constructed this sanctuary. It initially was, was, it, was a tent. Um, later it became a more permanent building and, and then it became a temple that Solomon built. And um, it was a place where they would come for worship. It, w- and it was a place that had uh, a couple of apartments. Uh, it, it had a, an area where there were animal sacrifices and then there was a holy place and there was a most holy place. Mm-hmm. The whole purpose of the sanctuary uh, 
was where people would would come and bring sacrifices, and it was a way to illustrate uh, that through uh, through the shedding of blood comes forgiveness of sin, Nick. And so day in day out, there were these sacrifices of animals being offered for the forgiveness of sin. Through the shedding of blood comes the forgiveness. Now, of course, that we can now see that that was all pointing forward to um, uh, the great sacrifice. I'm referring to Jesus Christ, uh, who came as the Lamb of God yes. that takes away the sins of the world. That's how John the Baptist described uh, Jesus when, when he saw him appear. But we find the sanctuary was there. Uh, as as this place where the people would come and where sacrifices were made. Uh, now, what's interesting is this. The sanctuary had two rooms. There was a holy place and there was a most holy place. Mm. The most holy place is a place where the high priest would only enter and only enter once a year. And he would go in there and do a work of cleansing. It, it's like it, um, the sins had gone from the person taken the life of the the animal as a substitute Mm -hmm. and then was sort of deposited into the sanctuary day in, day out. And so once a year, there was a special work of cleansing. It was known as the Day of Of Atonement. Atonement. You read about that that special service in Leviticus chapter 16, extensive description of the Day of Atonement. That was the only time the high priest would enter the most holy place and then work his way out and do a work of cleansing the sanctuary. Now, people might be thinking, what on earth has got this to do with the judgment? Where we've gone in this subject? We're going to start tying it all together. Notice this very, very brilliant and powerful and interesting connections. Jesus comes, and we know that Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. When Jesus died on the cross, Nick, the curtain in the Jewish temple tore from top to bottom. Mm -hmm signifying that all the sacrifices and the rituals were fulfilled in the death of Jesus Christ. And so those, all those sacrifices met their fulfillment in Jesus. Now notice this though, Nick. When Jesus died, when Jesus rose again and he ascended, the Bible tells us that he went, he's gone into heaven, now into heaven to appear for us, to mediate for us. You see, the earthly sanctuary was a copy, it was a shadow of the heavenly sanctuary. Right. Uh, what Moses saw was a copy of the heavenly one. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 8, verses 1 to 5, and in Hebrews chapter 9, that the earthly was just a shadow or a copy or a, a pattern of the, the heavenly one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the sanctuary in heaven is, is, is the center, is the throne of God. And uh, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he went into the heavenly sanctuary. And he went there as our high priest to intercede on our behalf, like the priests did on earth. See, but Jesus is both the sacrifice and the priest in the one. Wow. Yes. Now, what we found is in in the earthly sanctuary, there was that once a year day of atonement. Here's the connection. Daniel chapter, and and the connection is this. That day of atonement was like a work of judgment. Wow. So, according to Daniel 8.14, 8.14, where it says, under 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed. That's referring to two, a period of time of 2,300 years. In 1844, we can say, the sanctuary, now it's got to be in heaven, Nick, because there's no earthly sanctuary. The sanctuary in heaven is going to be cleansed. It's referring to work of judgment that Jesus began up 
in the heavenly sanctuary. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So it means that we have been living in the time of judgment since 1844. And as we saw earlier, when Jesus comes, he brings his reward with him, which means the judgment is going to conclude sometime just before Jesus comes which, which means now the cleansing of the sanctuary predicted in Daniel cannot be referring to the earthly sanctuary. That's exactly right. That, that was referring to the heavenly sanctuary. And 1844, um, when those uh, uh, wonderful people, because we, sh- we must say this, uh, Joseph, those people, they were not uh, taken uh, lightly. Uh, lightly. No. They were studying profoundly, yeah. but they were just mixing up uh, some dates there. That's right. Uh, but they came back to that. That's they right. Came, yeah. So, so they, had, they had the they had the date right, just the event wrong. Yes. So they had the date right. The date was eighteen forty four, Nick. Yes. The date was, uh, in fact, there was a specific date, more specific date, October twenty two. Twenty two. Yes. Eighteen forty four. The date was right according to Bible prophecy. It was just the event wrong where they said it was going to be the second coming of Jesus. No, it wasn't the second coming of Jesus. What what they and the, and and they, the, uh, um, as they continued studying later, Nick, they discovered the truth and they discovered nah, the sanctuary is not the earth. The sanctuary is referring to the one in heaven. The cleansing of it refers to the work of cleansing the heavenly sanctuary that Jesus began in eighteen forty four. And, and even the words of William Mueller, I like that, uh, Joseph, after this big disappointment, actually two di- big disappointments for himself, but he uh, said those famous words, I have fixed my mind on another time, yes. and that is today, today, today. That's yeah. a wonderful uh, um, uh, you know, expression it of is. his faith. Absolutely. Joseph, we're yeah. going to take a very short yeah. break yeah. here. To announce that great book which we advertising um, uh, almost every day, because we would like you to keep uh, to have that book in your hands, and please listen to this, and we'll be back in a sec. When your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family, or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Hey, Joseph. How can we conclude uh, this amazing uh, topic uh, today? Yes. Well, uh, th- there's a passage in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 7, Nick, where, where we find um, th- these messages that, that's to go to all the world. And it says there, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. Notice what it says, not that judgment will come, but it has come. We are now living in that time. The judgment is now in session. And so, Nick, this is this is a very significant, solemn and s- serious topic. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't need to be a time of fear, provided that we understand that Jesus, our Savior, is also our judge and also our, our, our defendant. Uh, the most important thing is to make sure that we have chosen to have Jesus as our personal saviour and that we've committed our lives to him because then he and his sacrifice is there what will will uh, pay for our sins 
and what can clear us in the judgment. There are three things that I want to mention, Nick, to summarize everything that we've covered in this topic about the judgment. The Bible is clear that there is a judgment. Mm -hmm. The Bible is clear that the judgment occurs before the second coming of Jesus. The Bible is also clear from prophecies of Daniel chapter 8 and and 9 that the judgment uh, equates to the cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary, which began in 1844. Mm. And so what this means is that Jesus is both our advocate and our judge, and now is the time to accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Joseph, uh, with a very short word of prayer, let's conclude this uh, program today. Pleasure. Dear God, we want to thank you for this great news about the judgment. The day, uh, time in which we are living in is that time now. And we recognize, Lord, that it's so important for us to ensure that we have accepted Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Jesus, who is our sacrifice. Jesus, is who is our priest. Uh, Jesus, who is our judge. And uh, I pray that every person that's listening uh, will take seriously the times in which we live to acknowledge and accept you into their hearts and lives and to choose to commit their lives to you, to live live for you, is my humble prayer for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you for joining uh, Nick Rita and Joseph Matejic today. Uh, please uh, join us again uh, tomorrow as we are going to talk about why there are so many uh, churches. And I would like to leave you with the beautiful song here, I Have Fixed My Mind on Another Time. May God bless you. I have fixed my mind on another time, on another time. And here I mean to stand until God gives me more light. And
Fixed my mind on another.